to the saints, but we're understanding the book of Acts that details some of the first um, works of the apostle by way of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it really gives us a wonderful outline and a way to see in actuality how we're supposed to live. It doesn't matter that you've decided that the New Testament is different than your current life. You made this up. If the Lord had another way you were supposed to live, he would have wrote another book and attached it to it. But he made very plain that you can't write another book and attach anything to this in the book of Revelation. Does that make sense? So apparently, if he wanted you to have a method to which you were supposed to live and walk by the Spirit, now that he's ascended to heaven, this is it. So a lack of understanding of that is not good, nor are you relegating it to it being way, way back then and not pertinent for now, and that it has to be reinterpreted for your current state of life is not accurate either. No. You know how you say stuff like, well, back then they got married younger, so it's okay no. if I have sex right now. Yeah. Like, see, that's, that's an improper use of the word of God yeah. in your historical context. Hello? Amen. 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 All right. So these are all concepts that we kind of do to avoid actually living the way the Old Testament says. I think sometimes people mistake the fact that I look away from certain untruths as if I didn't know the truth. That's bothersome to me because it deteriorates a relationship. Make sense? And, and that is troublesome. Right? Yeah. We should do right regardless of whether anybody knows that we're doing right or wrong. Yeah. Because the sad truth is what if that person does know? Uh oh Lord. But they're just being gracious enough not to blow up your spot. But in essence, calculating the degradation of the soul. Jesus. In essence, you have such poor character. Jesus. I remember one time we had a new member, uh, uh, ministers in training oh class, our year one. I think we started with 12 ministers in training and ended up with four, five, four or five, all right? Start off with 12, all right? In year one, somebody submitted a paper that was plagiarized. I guess they thought that I would not check, but you know, you have a pastor that knows you. If this writing does not sound like you, expecting to hear your voice. If I hear five other voices, this is not your writing. Hello, somebody. But the idea still permeates that you would, not only would you plagiarize in general, but you would plagiarize for a minister in training class. Now this is just the degradation of soul. It's the things, things happen in levels. Do you understand? How low will you go? And the problem is that you don't recognize you sunk that low because you're so used to sliding. And I find because I don't bust your bubble often enough because I'm trying to stay, give you some dignity. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm trying not to be your parent. You understand? Like, you, man, you an adult. You know what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. You know what you said ain't bang up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't feel like I have to bring that to your attention all the time. When I do, then we have resentment, so I just leave it alone. But you should know. But the issue is that even though you know, you don't stop and you just keep sliding. Yeah. And because it's a slide and not a fall, hello, somebody, you don't recognize how low you've gotten until your standards are then so bad that when I bring it to your attention that you actually lied to the pastor in 
lied to me on the phone. Yeah. Or you sent me a lie text. Or a lie group me. Or a lie whatever. And this, and this shit, it's just, I'm just dealing with the spirit of lying. And this thing just keep getting out of hand. Or it just keep going and going and going. And nobody wanna say, well, you know that. Well, you said it that way, Pastor. This is pretty bad. The reason you could not see it is because you were on the slow decline. And part of my responsibility is to tell you to pump your brakes. This thing is, you turn it into somebody you never wanted to be. Yeah. yeah. And in some cases, you're going back to what you asked God to deliver you from. Oh, Jesus. That's going to deliver you from that personality trait, that bad characteristic that got overwhelming. Oh, yeah. And now here you are sliding in back. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but apparently good. I'm talking to somebody. Amen. Amen. Hello. So there are times when, when I think we just we we go too far, amen. Yeah. Too far. Too far. Too far. Too far. Huh? They try to live for me, man. And I am I am a meticulous person. I am meticulous of souls. Hello. Or it might be a tiny thing to you, it's very noticeable to me. Yeah. I feel like if we're gonna do Christianity, we should do it on the up and up. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Since he already removed death in the grave, sitting in the grave from us, we might as well go ahead and just try to do it all right. Amen. I mean, it ain't like he, he it's gonna cost us to ask for forgiveness again. Yes. It ain't gonna cost us no more to to make it right, to apologize, to be honest, to ask yeah. for forgiveness. And, you know, he doesn't have to be crucified again because you messed up, so why not just ask for forgiveness? Why not just say, Lord, forgive me, that wasn't right. Let me let me, let me, me really tell you the truth on that, Pastor. I finessed you on this, on that, and on this, my bad, I pretty much. So look, why not do that since it doesn't cost you anything? The only thing you stand to gain is more righteousness and a better character. Oh. It's Satan that convinced you that you lose. That he might keep you further entrapped and ensnared. Hello? All right. I'll prove it to you in scriptures at some point, I'm sure, today. Amen? All right, so um, last week we were on who would describe, who can describe his generation, understanding the generation of Christ and its suffering state. And that is very hard for modern Christians to recognize because most of us got saved under the premonition that suffering will be removed from us. Yeah. That these are our best days. Every day is going to be wonderful. And if you ever have a problem, just call on Big Daddy Jesus, and he will remove these problems from you because he loves you so much, despite how horrible and how unfaithful you are, he will just keep solving all of your problems and unfaithfulness no matter what you do because he is a sucker for you. Hello? This was the version of the gospel a lot of us have received. And then when we are confronted with, oh, no, he still don't like it. He never has liked it. Liked it. That's not what he's into. It's hard for us to believe that. Hello, somebody. And then when he actually shows us that he requires us to suffer, to join him in it. Oh, this, this can't be right. But nothing but the New Testament reveals that not only was that suffering applied to Christ himself, God himself, but it was also to every apostle and every disciple that moved on after that. Yeah. But we like to handpick what we want to talk about and leave the rest unspoken of. Yeah. Yeah. Most of these accounts and witnesses are of spreading the gospel and suffering. Yeah. Not of blessings and healings. Hello, somebody. The blessing and healings were one 
out of all the one aspect of the entire story of somebody else getting saved and somebody else thrown in prison. Hello? Yeah. But we handpick what we want and we try to build our theology and our worldview off of selective scriptures of Christianity and not getting the whole scroll. Amen? Amen. So this week I want to go on to part nine. <coughs> Part nine. Okay. If I had to subtitle this anything, it would be why you have to get up. Oh wow. Why you have to get up. There are parts of our lives that are immensely horrible. There are times and seasons that we wish things could just go differently. Yeah. Aspects that we wish we could avoid, remove, and lift. And then we live a little bit longer and we recognize that some things have to stay the way they are. And these seasons of disappointment and regret and pain and suffering could last so long that we all but conclude I'm just gonna stay here. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Sometimes we conclude that what's the point of even trying because I know I'll be right back here in just a. And then I can figure out how to live without that hope, since the hope is what causes me the pain. Yeah. Hello, somebody. Yeah. Maybe I'll just make my bed here and stay here in this, since this is. So easily what I seem to gravitate towards. Come on, y'all don't want to play fair. Maybe God made me like this anyway. Y'all don't want to play fair. Because I always seem to come back to this. Y'all don't want to help me today. Maybe I'm just not meant to be that type of person or that type of Christian. Hello, somebody. Or maybe it's not God's will that I also do like the other believers. And I also, and these are the types of things that we speak. Yeah. Well, we know as believers we're not supposed to say. Yeah. Because if some other believer will hear you and give you a good old encouraging speech. Yeah, huh? yeah. And they'll say, no, don't think like that. And that'll get, keep you up for about 5.2 seconds. Yeah. And then as soon as you leave their presence, you're back down to, you know what? Again, I just don't think that's for me. Yeah. Every couple of months, every year or so, every blah, 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 I'm right back to where I always started and I can't seem to finish it. I just don't think, like, you know, how do I know that this will even work for me down the road? How do I know that? You understand. I've tried this before and it didn't work out for me, you know. And all of a sudden you find yourself permanently in a spot of doubt. Amen. Just perpetual down badness, you say. Bad cases of the money grubs. Yeah. Medical depression. Oppression. Sorrow. Melancholy. Those types of things. It just doesn't seem that you could ever muster the hope that is necessary for your situation to be better. Mm-hmm. Hello? Mm-hmm. I want to give you a couple of pointers today. Things you can put in your back pocket. Yeah. In the days and on the day mm-hmm. that you feel like you shouldn't get up. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? It may not be your day today. You may be on the up and up today and feel like, hey, that's somebody ain't for me. But I want you to put this in your back pocket because there will be yet another day when you don't feel like getting 
up. Come on, somebody. You don't want to get up out of the bed. You don't want to get up out of your attitude. You don't want to get up out of your anger. You don't want to get up out of your disappointment. I don't want to get up out of my brokenheartedness. I don't want to get up out of my self-righteousness. I don't want to get up out of... I'm mad and upset. I'm frustrated. I'm aggravated. I'm agitated. And I don't want to get up. Come on, somebody. So I'm going to give you some tips that you can use when that day happens. Because it is your responsibility to get up. And it is also your responsibility to desire to get up. So these tips are those tips that will give you the desire to get up. Hello, somebody. Getting up will require the empowerment of the Spirit of God in all of those situations. But sometimes the Spirit of God cannot move because we don't even desire. Y'all don't want to help me. The issue isn't that I don't believe God can do it. The issue is that I don't even want it because I'm afraid, because I'm already exhausted, because I'm already doubtful, because I already tried that. You understand? A whole host of reasons. Hello, somebody. So these are tips that you can have in your back pocket. If I were you, I would start this one on your uh, podcast subscription to make sure you can find it easily when it is posted. On the days that you don't want to get up. You don't want to go to work? You don't feel like feeding the kids? Don't want to clean the house? Don't want to wash the dishes? Don't want to do the laundry? In some cases, some of y'all don't even want to do your own hair. I've never seen such a thing, but you don't want to do your hair. You don't want to get in the shower. You don't want to fill up your gas tank. You don't want to stop and get your tires rotated. You don't want to get that oil changed. You don't really want to go to the dentist. You don't feel like seeing the doctor about that situation. It's, you know, you get in a funk. And some of you are there, some of you have been there, and, some of, and all of us will be there again. Yeah. This is the concept of Christianity you must know. But to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might is to first know what is necessary and let us to have a desire. That's good, that's good. So we can clearly see what we don't desire. I just, honestly, I just want to stay in this. Honestly, um, I just want to keep this. I know this is a terrible relationship. I just want to keep it. Honestly, I know God isn't pleased, but hello, somebody. Honestly, I know this is not really what he wants from me, but I just feel like... These are all forms and versions of getting up and not wanting to get up. Mm -hmm. We like to stay where we're at, where we are. Does that make sense? Yeah. We don't recognize that the kingdom of God, its mere presence disrupts the system of Satan. It disrupts how the world actually functions. It says there's life without any of this. You can't have life without food. Yes, I can. You can't have life without love from another human being. Yes, I can. You can't have life without more money. Yes, I can. You can't have life. And it absolutely rejects how Satan deceives you to think what life really is. And not only does it reject it, but it proclaims that life with God is more abundant than the life of Satan. It proclaims it's even better. What you mean it's even, it's even better? 
no, we need to stop this. This, this need to stop, okay? Because now what we need to keep the slaves chained, we don't have. Yeah. You know, the chain of a believer is always something along the lines of the statement, I don't even see the point in trying. That's always the chain of the believer. I don't even see the point in trying. I, I'm, I'm going to come right back to this. I have no guarantee that I won't come back to this. So, so, so now you are, if somebody says, but the point of trying is not your freedom, but the fact that it is right. And I will die fighting for right before I ever give in and settle to being wrong. It matters not how much I suffer because right is right and truth is truth. And if I suffer for the truth, then I suffer for the truth. But I am not going to live somewhat abundantly for a lie. And most people can't make that switch because they can't see the benefit of the truth. Because the benefit of the truth is removing their suffering. If you can't promise me that you'll remove my suffering, then I see no benefit in going in that direction. It's the same type of person that does dirt and they'll keep doing the dirt because nobody found out. Hello, somebody. Versus the one person that says, now, nah, I just can't live like that. I can't live with this on my heart. I just can't. I can't. I don't care. Don't nobody know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm fast. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stack this up. I'm confessing because I don't want myself to even think that I can get away with stuff like this. Anybody ever been there? I'm going to tell on myself before self starts getting comfortable with the idea that you can get away with stuff like this. I mean, because one day I'm not going to get away with it, but I don't even want to be comfortable with the idea that I can do it again and again and again. Because I know me. If I, if I got, rid of, got away with it one time, I'm going to try to do it again. Now I'm going to become that person. So I'm not even going to let myself get away with it that one time. Difference between a hypocrite and a Christian. Hypocrite? Uh, Christian, slice it right off. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. No, 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 no. I don't even want to build that habit. I don't want to acquire the taste of getting away with wrong. Because what getting away with wrong means is that you don't mind having iniquity as long as it's not found out. Jesus. That you fear men more than you fear God. That's really what that means. You're more concerned with somebody, what somebody thinks, yeah. how the people are thinking, yeah, yeah. than you are with God who actually knows what's in your heart. That's good. That's good. That's good. Hello? Yeah. So you, you, I got to get this off of me because I, I don't want for God to feel like I'm more concerned with them than I am with him. He sees it. Yeah. Hello? The Bible says confession is good for the... Oh, interesting. We forgot when we ain't Catholic, it's that good for the soul with your soul sick self. Some of you got so much non things you've ever confessed about that it weighs you down that even when, even when your pastor tried to encourage you to be saved and encourage that God loves you, you can't really float because you weigh down from all of your other stuff that you know you've done that won't let you lift up. And then you want to blame it on the gospel is not working. No, you are not doing the work to confess in order to be cleansing to your own soul. That's good, That's and don't put that in the church. They're going to judge me. So what? You fear our judgment more than you fear God? Jesus. I mean, I'm not going to say that people won't judge you. Some people will. Okay. 
So what? Oh my God, quit being a punk. I ain't gonna tell because what people gonna think? Punk? We try to avoid it by saying, no, Christians don't judge, or we're not supposed to judge, I won't judge you. All right, maybe I will. I might be like, you know what, you wrong for not washing up for three days. That is a judgment. I try to understand, but on the inside, I can't understand that. Nope. You just got judged. <laughs> I can't understand how that person would go that far. I can't understand how they would do something like that. I can't understand how they would, they would sit like that. I can't understand. So what? Everybody got poo, and everybody poo stink. I think you're going to be all right. But your aversion to not want to tell what's really happening in your life because you're afraid of what people might say means that you stay weighed down with all types. Because what if you run into somebody that completely understands how you got there, how it happened, why you are there, and all they want to do is just free you up so you can start lifting and being encouraged. Hello, somebody. But you're too busy trying to worry about what somebody's going to say, and you're going to miss out on your blessing. I ain't here to sugarcoat it. You might run into somebody that do you down bad when you tell them. But I promise you, it won't be everybody. It ain't going to be everybody. But it will happen. That's the, that's the nature of it. Hello? Amen. All right. Well, I don't know why I'm over there, but that's the truth. Amen? The kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom, the functionality of the world has to try to remove and sever it can never remove the kingdom of God, but the effects of the kingdom of God. It does not want any believer to be excited about being a believer. It wants you to be miserable. It wants you to act like you're miserable. It wants you to have your mully girls because God, God won't let me have this. He just won't let me have it, so I guess... That's not what he has for me. What's wrong? <sighs> Nothing. All the while chained. The kingdom of God can't advance forward because nobody believes that you're having an abundant life. You don't even believe that you have an abundant life. You don't even believe it. You don't believe that it's better over here. Not day to day. Hello, somebody. Was that a come to Jesus moment? Are you living so beneath the privileges of the kingdom of God that on your worst days you still don't think that they're better than the kingdom of darkness? Do you sometimes reflect on the benefits of both kingdoms? Do you reflect on your Egypt and remember how good Egypt was? Do we need to have a come to Jesus moment? Because it sounds like somebody in here might, might have been struggling with that. That's Maybe this is a byproduct of you being chained for so long by the chain that says, why do you even try? that you just started accepting this is your lot in life. This constant struggle, this constant weight. Hello? The Bible says his yoke is and his burden is light. Interesting. 
But you walking around like it's the heaviest, most uncomfortable thing you ever had. Somebody lying. And I don't think it's the Bible. Somebody's not being earnest about the kingdom of God. Transformation has to happen so that we might actually love being in the kingdom. Yeah. Let's look at some examples in Acts chapter 9. So we see on countless occasions how the kingdom of Satan, the, the world, resists and hates God's kingdom uh, primarily because it nullifies their ability to chain us. It says you might as well go ahead and have sex because you need somebody to love you, even if it's just for a moment. It just nullifies that. It says, no, I'll be all right. You need to go ahead and lie so you can maintain this position at your job or whatever, 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 or get this money or have that. Kingdom of God severs that because now you don't even care that's in the Father's hands. And not only does it supersede their kingdom, but its constituents, the kingdom of God's constituents, actually love being there. Yeah. So now they're making everybody else jealous. Like, we love it over here. You love it even with that? Yeah. How? And that, that, inqui that inquiry of how do you love it with all that you're going through? How do you love God with all that has happened? How do you still, hello somebody. This makes them want to know who is this God and it moves from I'm just pleasing him in order to get something to the idea that you actually have a personal relationship with him and that you actually enjoy being with him rather than just enjoy what you can get from him. The pleasantness of your suffering, how you enjoy it, the fellowship of the suffering of Christ indicates that you moved from just loving God for what he can do for you to actually loving him for who he is. Hello, somebody. Like I, I think I just like being with you. Well, if you're going to be with me, we're about to go in this direction, and it's about to be heavy over here. Let's do it. Let's go. It's going to be thick. It's, people not going to gonna, gonna beat you up. Not, you're not going to get this. It's not going to be. It's going to be, let's go. Let's do it. Me and you, us against them. Let's go. Let's rock it. Completely different. This indicates that you actually love God. And it's different than just loving what he can do for you. Because most people have hope waiting for him to fix it. Hello? Out of all the chances I could have had, God is the best chance. All right, I love God because he's going to have to make this right some kind of way. That's a different type of relationship. Because when he says no, where are you? But you can do something about it, but I'm not. But you can, and, and because you can, you should. I'm miserable. You have to. Please, please. The answer is no. Please, but you have, but please, can't you? Uh, and you just wreck your whole life angry because he won't change his decision. Mad at God because he won't give you what you want. Indicating that it was never about him in the first place. It was always about you. 
I'm preaching better than anybody wants. Want me to come back up here so y'all can say amen a little bit better? You want to be loved by people. You want love, but you refuse to receive the lessons of what love is. I am challenging you on your poor performance in loving. Because if you cannot love a perfect God who still won't give you what you want and you don't know how to love him rightly, you cannot love an imperfect human being rightly either. So just as you are angry with God to try to manipulate him to do what you want, thus it will be in your earthly relationships. Hello, somebody. You know what temper tantrums to have. You know what, what buttons to push. You know what tears to draw up. You know how to get distant. You know how to shut down. You know all the methods that are necessary in order to get that person to relent because you've done the same thing with God thinking that's why he relented. No, that was always in his plan. The bad part about it is you've, you've perfected a bad habit. He was going to give you the car anyway, but now you got a bad habit. The job is going to be yours anyway, but now you just, you've got bad character. You think you're pushing him. Hello? You're not. But all that keeps coming up is more manipulation. Manipulation is a harsh word, isn't it? Manipulation, control, comes with power and authority. Right? If you give me a Rubik's Cube, in order to solve the Rubik's Cube, I have to manipulate each side of that cube. The word manipulation is not bad in of itself. What makes manipulation bad is the purposes behind while you're moving those pieces. Yeah. Manipulation and control have negative connotations when one, someone has not submitted to your control. <laughs> and two, hello somebody, you don't have, in, in essence you don't have authority in that area and you're, you're asserting it anyway. And manipulation is bad when it is self-serving. And most of us struggle with manipulation because all we know how to do is serve self. So everything that comes from us is, is how do I adjust this to better myself, to put me at a better place. And you don't even recognize that you do it because that's the only way you know how to love. Hello? And some of us are TikTok and Instagram cliched out. I'm trying to understand and all the words and the fake wisdom that they give you about how you to cut off. If it ain't good for me, if you, then I don't want that. If it's, it don't have that good energy, then I'm not for it. And if it don't uh, bless my life, then I'm not for it. And if it, you know, all this cliche, y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. How don't bring me nothing bad. Don't bring no negative energy. Don't bring none of this, none of this, none of this, because it's all about how it's going to affect you. Now, I work in the kingdom. People bring me negative energy and bad vibes all the time. To the end of the day, I'd be like, you know what? I don't. Today, I'm at home. It's it's about eleven o'clock. You need to go on home. I'm sensing some 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 negative feelings, and um, I'm tired. I'm tired of feeling them. It's not towards you, I know, 
but they're around. And I've reached my limit for the day. Have a good evening. (laughs) From the uh, top of the day, I was all just walking around, your bad feelings. You know how y'all get. You got a bad feeling about your job. You got a bad feeling about the person beside you. You got a bad feeling about this situation. Bad this, bad that. My knee hurt, my tooth hurt, my back hurt. Everything is, oh, oh my God, my money's down bad. It's, and it just sits there, just bubbling up. Just blah, 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 blah. And I just be walking around like. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Every once in a while, somebody be like, hey, I'm doing great. Life is great. Oh, thank God. Hi. Oh, you want to know why I gravitate towards that person? Because they is not got a bad case of the bully grubs right now. And I just, I just need a break. <laughs> I love you, but that's a lot of ickiness. You don't have to hide it because it is what it is. Some situations will cause negative feelings, and rightfully so. But to, no one is Jesus that can absorb that much negativity on a consistent basis. Hello? So to save me from being sinful... I'm just going to back up for a second. (laughs) Hello? Hmm. But the kingdom of darkness always fights and resists the kingdom of God because its very presence nullifies how Satan's kingdom entraps people. It says, hey, we'll we'll go without it. You'll do. So you're going to go without it? Yeah, I'll go without it. For the rest of your life, if that's what it takes. And instantly, it's powerless. I keep driving this point home because some of you have been given the kingdom. And you need to recognize what your responsibility looks like. To uphold a standard and to reflect on the truth. Not to figuratize it or or make it a, 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 a metaphor. Man shall not live by bread alone. Do you understand? And to make the concepts of how you're supposed to live daily in the kingdom actual and not metaphorical. So when Satan tries to tempt you, you can resist because God tempts no one. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's look at some more into Acts chapter nine. Why you have to get up in Acts chapter 9, it switches from, Pete, from Paul, 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 right? It was all about Paul, his, uh, Saul being converted to Paul, and it was going very nice, you know? And then Paul, whose name was Saul, uh, receives a lot of persecution, is uh, led out through a basket, and then has to go uh, to Caesarea or Caesar, his name after Caesar, so it could be Caesarea or Caesarea, all right? Um, but, um, and then from there, he goes to Tarsus. And after that, in Acts chapter 9, we don't hear anything else about Paul because the story switches to Peter. Out of nowhere, Peter just starts doing stuff, and it starts giving accounts. Of, I mean, not out of nowhere. The story, the, the line just shifts to about Peter. But if you take a broad scope at the book of Acts, there is a specific reason why Peter's accounts are testified at this moment. Because Peter begins to open the door for Paul's most active ministry. Okay? So it's like they go, they cut in the movie from Paul, then they cut to this other story about Peter. 
And the story about Peter is going to wrap around by the end of Acts and actually segues the most important battle that Paul has and what his legacy is all about was established first by Peter. Okay? All right, so that's kind of why it it cuts into it, but you have to really pull back from all the book in order to see that. Um, So let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 33 or so. Uh, 32. So when they send Paul out, the church prospers. And I love the line in verse 31. It says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So they send Paul out. And and, and in conclusion, for a little bit, the church was multiplied because they did two things. They walked in the what? The fear of the Lord and the what? Comfort of the Holy Spirit. I want to preach this, but it needs to be taught. The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. These two things go hand in hand. Our church, anyone's local church, or the body of Christ will never grow without first the fear of the Lord. Uh, (laughs) Ask, how do I move from loving God out of fear to just loving him out of a right way to love God? And I said, if you're not there yet, you're just not there yet. Because the first step, the beginning of all wisdom, is the fear of the Lord. And the church of God grows because saints have fear of the Lord. And what is a pandemic or epidemic in the body of Christ is that we've completely removed the fear of the Lord to the point where people don't, they do all kinds of things in the household of faith. Hello? Maybe I should say, we do all kinds of things in the household of faith we lie we cheat we scandalize names we gossip we fornicate we do all kinds of dirt and down badness all in the kingdom of god in the church hello where no one actually fears god because jesus is my homeboy and all i got to do is say i please forgive me he has to forgive me because that's what I believe and that's what he promised. And while this may be true, the down bad part about it is that the church of God does not multiply. Because no, you remember when the church first multiplied? When Ananias and Zephariah died after lying, fear of God hit the whole church. People was like, okay, so the apostleship is nothing to play with, nor is God in this day and age. All right, let's... Let's keep, that, let's keep that on the forefront. No pastor wants it to be one of their members that God has to execute his fear upon. No pastor. Pastors go into prayer overnight. Please, please don't slay them. Please, 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 please don't make them the example. Please, please just give me the word. Just let me preach a good word. Just let me convict them with your word. But please, please don't let them be the example. Please, oh God, please don't let them be the example. Because we be looking at you going, are you crazy? You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. Oh my God. It's like, it's like Duke in the swimming pool with me. He has no fear of water. He doesn't like to get it in his ears, but he likes the water so much, he fights with it. He's like, oh, don't get him in here, but I'll do it again. Oh, don't get him in here, but I'll do it again. When I have him on a floaty, he just want to run right off the floaty. Just, let's jump over here. He just, don't jump over there because the only reason you survive is because I'm catching you every time. 
<laughs> See, I caught you. It's not, it's, the water's not going to catch you. And you don't know this. He's like, I'm running in the water. No, you're running on the floaty that is in the water. You are not. Okay, I'm going to jump. Yay. No. And my concern is that you're going to think that the water does this for you, and it is really me, and you need to develop some respectable fear. You need to develop fear. Could you want me to run that again? How fear of the Lord is a necessity for salvation. Because just because Christ now will forgive you of everything, you begin to feel like you can do these things because it is God's forgiveness that keeps saving you. But what if, hello somebody, You've developed such a taste and a habit for this that what you look at, you become, and he can't save you from becoming what he never called you to be. The rule was get born again to be transformed. That was the process. Then you became conformed to the things of the world. So he's afraid that you're going to keep doing this when he's not in that direction. He's over here in this way. And you are still trying to go that way, thinking that everything's going to be okay the way it's always been okay. Hello? And my concern for Duke is that he has some fear of the water. So every once in a while, when I see him get a little low, I let him suck up a little water. Sorry, Sheena. He sucks up a little water in his nose, and he coughs, and I'm like, yeah, see? See that? Stay over here with me. You don't understand this water. <coughs> yeah. Then he gets real close. I said, over here, mm, staying over here is good. Yeah, over there, off the floaty, not good. Until he learns that going where I go in the water is most beneficial than trying to go apart from me. Now he has a healthy level of fear for the water because the water is only conquered by the person I'm with. Y'all don't want to help me today. So fear of the Lord is the same way. Sometimes you get so used to just, oh, I'm free. I've got liberty. I can do whatever I want. And then you, God keeps forgiving you and, you know, there's no rules and I don't have to go to church. I do it because of this and I don't have to do this and I because of that. And I can't drink a little bit and I can't smoke a little bit. And I can do this and I can do this. And that's all great. And God keeps moving until he's no longer going in that direction and you're still over there. That's no longer a part of the season in your life. He's moving on, and you're still going off the floaty on the other side. Now, had you had a healthy respect and, and fear of the Lord, when you recognized he was turning and going in another direction, you would have been on here. Uh-uh, don't leave me out here. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Hello? I thought we was all good doing this. Oh, we're not we're going this way? Okay, we're going that way now. And it's a big deal. And some of us don't practice following Christ. We only want laws and rules. Only so that we can learn the laws and rules and manipulate them to get what we want. See that right right there? I don't want to know the living God always moving and going through time. Just tell me what's right and what's wrong. Give me a handout so I can manipulate it to make sure I can always have at my access what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. Because the fear of the Lord means that I am dependent upon you for survival. One day you tell him we're going left. Now we're telling me we're going right. See, just the fact agitates some of you. Yeah, that can't be right. Yes, it is. 
journeys have different paths. It's determined by the one who set the journey. Since it wasn't you, it is his way. But, that, but because you prefer always the same, always in this direction, so you can calculate what you need to do. You don't like a free will God that's completely sovereign, doing whatever he wants to do, because in order for you to survive, you have to be in step with him. And because you don't like being in step, don't blame it on the idea that you don't know what he wants or I can't hear God's voice. That's irrelevant because he will always make himself known. You just be honest and know that you don't like the fact that you have to be in step with him on a all fronts because if you back up and try to do your own thing you will sink you sink you sink into depression you sink into lust you sink into alcoholism drug abuse you sink into homosexual relationships you sink into laziness you sink into gluttony you sink you sink you sink And it angers you that you are not able to keep yourself up. But you weren't designed for that. It was Satan in his seat of independence from God that makes you feel like you should have a right to that. We were never designed to be separate from him. We were created in his image. Guess who wasn't? Satan. Who also wanted to do his own thing. Which may, look, look how it manifests in you. You want to do your own thing. And part of being an adult in Christ and mature in Christ is being able to stop yourself from falling and stop yourself from doing this and stop yourself from doing that and pick yourself up when you get in a pit and do this other thing for yourself and do this other thing for yourself because this is all about maturity versus a little child that has to follow him wherever he goes in the water because you are too afraid of what could happen if you're not right on his heels. Be honest. You resent it. This is a direct reflection of what you don't understand about God and your identity as a believer. Fear of the Lord in the church, and watch the next phrase, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. yeah? And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Two things. When you fear the Lord, he's going to take you to some places Hello, somebody that are going to be very wobbly. Do you understand? Like every once in a while, I like to take Duke's hand in the pool. And I start to spin him around in the pool. And this makes him feel wobbly, unsure of what's getting ready to happen. Hello, somebody. But then I say, watch this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because I try to take his hand. He's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, just lay back. Put your head back. Put your head back. Put your head back. Put your head back. It's going to be okay. He put his head back. Then I spin him around in the water, and he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. The thing he thought he wouldn't like, that I had to comfort him in order to give in to, actually became the thing that he... The thing the father is trying to, that you swore you would never like, you couldn't possibly like, you couldn't possibly endure, you could, you're not made for that, you're not built for that, that's for somebody else. I don't know how I'm going to survive like that. And you're so tightly gripped that I just can't let my life fall apart like that. I can't let it look like that. I can't become that type of person. I just can't, I can't, I can't. And then he convinces you to relax and comfort, and then you actually end up enjoying it. You end up liking this version of what he's doing, and you want to do it again. <laughs> Come on, do it again. He throws his head back. Come on, do it again. <laughs> and okay, we'll do it again. 
Put your hands on my head. Do it again, Hobie. Do it again. 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 But I thought you said you didn't want to do it. I thought you said it was not for you. I thought you said that was for other people, other types of women, other types of men. You can't live like that. Hello? But the comfort of the Holy Spirit is necessary. The fear of the Lord will take you out there with him in some places that are uncertain. But it is the comfort of the Holy Spirit that causes you to enjoy it like a child. And then watch. And then the church is multiplied. Then the church is multiplied. It's multiplied. You're like, wee! They're like, oh my God. You like that? Wee! And other people will comment, I just can't help stop. I can't stop staring at you two in the pool. Y'all just the cutest things. Your son's so cute. I'll be like, thank you. <laughs> he's not my son. Technically, he's my god brother. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but I love him. He wants to do everything you do. You put your head in the water, he wants to put his head in the water. You jump in the water, he jumps in the water. When he sees you do it, he wants to do it. I say, yeah, I have that effect on people. <laughs> I make what I do look like so much fun, so enjoyable to be in the things of God. Pastor sick again? Yeah, but she fine. Is she fine? <laughs> she fine. <laughs> people still want to get saved, huh? They still, they still come to church. They still want to do it. <laughs> That's how you should look. So you need the fear of the Lord where you know I need to be on his heels in everything, in all things. I need to commit my ways to him that he might direct my path. I need to be on his heels and I need to fear not being where he is, when he's there, and how he's there. I need to fear it. If not, you have to let you suck up a little bit of water. You have to almost drown a little bit. <coughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> died in that yeah yeah you could have you, you, I could I could have been oh, it almost overtook me yeah it did it, it got away from you huh oh oh oh, oh did, it, did, did depression get away from you oh did you almost want to kill yourself oh it got away from you oh oh, oh. did y'all hear venture I do some dumb stuff oh look at that got almost got away see you don't know yourself like you do you think you do now you need to have a little bit of fear of the Lord that's how the body of Christ multiplies People that are devout to the Father and that are comforted when they go off to uncharted territories. And the kingdom of God increased. Amen? Amen. That was not the highlight of today. I don't know how. That was just a side note. All right? When we get to verse 32, Peter shows up. Peter shows up. Amen? Verse 32, now it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda or Lydda. There he found a certain man named Ananias who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, uh, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. All right. Back pocket tip number one. Why you have to get up. People will come back to God because you got up. People will come back. Turn back to God in their most passionate way. 
come back to him after church hurts and, and abuses and problems. Come back to him after loss and devastation and trauma. Come back to him after confusion and abuse. They will turn back to God because you got One reason why you have to get up for your back pocket is because everyone in your circle that has turned away from God will turn back to God because you got up. Look at this. It says all and all the residents of Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Too many of you have people in your life that have turned or these are people that knew God. And then started turning away from God. Hello, somebody. You cannot afford to stay down. You can't afford to stay down bad. You can't afford to stay in that. You cannot afford. You have to get up because they are waiting to get up by seeing you. Not some of them. The scripture says all. All. And the thing about this man is Peter sought him out. He must have had a man of, been a man of reputation for so many people in the, in, 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 the, in the plains of Sharon and in the city. They all heard about him, knew about him, then knew about his healing. Because, you know, if you tell me somebody was healed and I know nothing about him, I'm going to be suspect. I ain't know him. I know his people. you just telling me, I'm going to be a little suspect. Like, yeah, whatever. It's probably some of them hoaxes or something. And I may not believe. This means this man had influence. And a lot of people knew of him and knew of his situation for eight years. It's like some famous person started getting a uh, paralysis over time. And people started seeing their degradation for eight years. And then they saw him miraculously healed by someone who professed the name of Christ. And everyone that saw it was like, I'm a believer of Jesus now. Everyone that saw it. This is a big deal. Hello? It's a huge deal. And how many people are waiting for you? This is something you have to remember. Now, the funny part about it is when it comes to palsy, it happens over time to the point where he became bedridden. I'm sure it was a crutch here, some assistance there. And then over time, people saw that now you can't move. And that's true of how situations happen in us. People watch our slow decline. They watch you going from fired up to drinking a little bit. Smoking a little bit, smoking a lot of bit, drinking a lot of bit, sexing a little bit, sexing a lot of bit. And they watch this slow decline. Hello? And you go, well, what was the point of this? Because when they see you get up. We want a mighty testimony from your decline. I want a mighty testimony from your backslidden position. I want a mighty testimony from you because I know that as many people saw you go down to the pit, they will also see God raise you up. Don't be ashamed of the fact that they saw you. It happens. But my God, you've got to get up. You up here worried about how many people knew how many people out there knew? How many people in here knew? You should be broadcasting it. You should be like, yeah, I really messed up. <laughs> but he got me up. 
because as many people see your decline, those same people are intently fixed upon you like social media. They follow the first post, it's going to keep seeing the second post and the next post and the next post. They want to know what's going on with your life. Well, how did you work it out? Well, where are you now? Well, how are you doing with that situation? And then, and then, and then, and then. So get up. You've got to get up. You have got to roll up your bed. You have got to pack up your stuff from that situation. You have to say it is done and it is over. Not me, you. You have to get that stuff up because they all need to see as they saw you decline, see you get up. So you can't stay down. You can't sit in it. You can't stay in that failure. There are hearts that need to turn back to God that need to see you get up. People that were somewhat comforted by your slow decline. People that secretly enjoyed it. People that felt good about it. People that always hated you. Hello, somebody. But they too need to turn towards God. They need to see you get up. For your back pocket, you can't stay down. Why? Because people need to turn back to God that see you get up. The Bible says that their hearts turn back to the Lord. Turn to That means they knew him. They knew of him. They just got off course. And when they saw you got off course, some of you are natural, naturally charismatic. They feel like, well, getting off course a little bit is part of it. That's, what we got, that's why we got lions. Huh? Lions are natural born leaders. No matter where I put them, they are going to lead somebody. Now lead them to glory or lead them to Hades. They are going to lead people. Uh, overwhelmingly, they're too charismatic not to. All right? This means that people are sometimes gravitated to do what you do. They feel comforted by the fact that you are doing it, that you struggle with it. And they start to log in their brain, well, I guess it's okay for me too. And they start to feel a little bit better about it. They may never tell you because they don't want to give you that kind of pressure, but it's a check in them. And they stay in it a little bit longer. Now, you don't really fail. Now you're down in this pit. And then everything in you wants to say, well, what's the point? What's the point of even trying? Every time I look up, I'm back in the same situation. Hello? But put this in your back pocket. You have got to get up. You can't stay there. You can't stay in your mistake. You can't stay in that place that slowly declines you to your bed where you're not even functioning anymore. You're not even being a true believer. You're not getting out there. You're not walking in the thing. You're not running in the thing. You cannot stay there. And maybe it didn't work out this time with God and the whole church thing, as y'all like to say. Huh? You know how y'all do it. Had the church thing over there. Huh? But you can't stay there. Not you. You know why you can't? Because you belong here. I'm not raising no punks. Hello, somebody. Hello? You cannot stay there because this church has to multiply and it's going to multiply by you. Not by me. Everybody out here, every blow Joe got a preached message on a sermon somewhere. That is not what draws the people. It is you. It is you getting up. You getting up 
from what slowly declines you down. And then you get up immediately. Immediately. And you start packing up your stuff. You know, maybe I'll just, for today, I'll just do, get rid of this. And somebody said, somebody said so I just I do it slowly? No. You should do it immediately. Well, how about right now, I'll just, I'll just tamper it down a little bit here. Tamper it down. No, you slowly slid into this, you need to aggressively get out of it. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Satan created the slide so you wouldn't notice the depth of your degradation. Right? If he considered that he had to slowly bring you down. It was job stress, family stress, money stress. Then it was this stress, that stress. Then it was this little bit of drink, that little phone call. He, he set it up so that you didn't even notice how you were sliding down to, hello, somebody. That's how thoughtful he was. Hello? And you think you can take the time to walk back up his ramp. Well, maybe I'll just, I'll just start off and I'll just go to church maybe like once a week. You know, I'll just. You, if he was concerned to make sure that he set up a plan for you to get down to the bottom of this thing, and you did, then I assure you he's going to watch you try to rise up out of it. And if you think you could slowly walk up his ramp and he's not going to add some slippery stuff to that, you have lost. You better pack up your bed immediately and get the heck out of Dodge. I think I'm acting out of emotion. Good. Get it up. Get it up. Go, 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 go. Be emotionally excited that God has delivered you and get up. Be excited about a fresh start and get up. Satan is trying to convince you that your slow rise will somehow make it more genuine. Hello? You want one more tip before we go? And I'll save the rest because I'm over my time. <coughs> so that was Aeneas. All right. Eight years, he was sick, paralyzed, bedridden. Peter seeks him out. By Christ says, you are made well. Arise, get up, and make your bed. He arose immediately. And everybody turned back to God when they saw it. Whole city. This man was of great influence. <clears throat> Next. Verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened that in those days she became sick and died. And when they washed her and laid her in the upper room, and they washed her and laid her in the upper room, and since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. And knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. Or Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Stop right there.
So here we have a lovely story of Tabitha, a disciple. I just want to just highlight the fact that this is a female disciple. Okay? Now, some people interpret that Tabitha was making garments for poor widows. Uh, but it was no proof that she was poor or the widows that she served was poor. <laughs> In fact, it more leans to the idea that she was not, nor were they. But she was a disciple of Christ and loved God and served in any way she could. Then she died. So the second reason as to why you have to get up is found in this. Put it in your back pocket. If today you're already up. You have to get up because your work is not done. And someone is here to help you. You have to get up. Now this is when you gotten down and you were already doing the will of God. You were already following him. And as you were following him, bad stuff happened. And you think this must be the end. This is the end. As I know it, it's over. And I was following the Lord, and I don't know how this happened. And you might want to sit in that for a while. Like, I was trying to do everything right, and this still ended up happening. And I was trying to do the good thing, and this still ended up happening. And you might want to sit there, but you can't sit in that. You have to get up because... Your work is not done. And number two, someone is here to help you. The difference in Tabitha's story versus Aeneas is that Tabitha, Peter, people were sent to Peter to bring him to, to Tabitha, right? And not only that, but she didn't immediately get up. She sat up. She opened her eyes. Then she sat up. But when it was time for her to get up, she needed assistance. Y'all don't want to help me today. Sometimes you could be doing the will of the Father, going to church and doing all you can, and something goes wrong, and you end up dying in some things. And it can be hard to fathom how somebody who was doing the work of the Lord could have fallen to such a demise. But fret not. Others of us have seen you do the work of the Lord, and we will ask for a resurrection. Y'all don't want to help me today. We will believe that if anybody can get up, you can raise this one up because they were already doing the will of God. Y'all don't want to play fair today. You worried about what got you down bad. You don't recognize how up good you were. They inquired the rest of us to go get help. We need to, she got to get back up. That's a good servant in the kingdom of God. He, her work is not done. His work is not done. He's got to get up. He cannot sit there. He's got to keep moving in the direction that you called him to move in. He can't stay in that place. She can't stay in that place. And your eyes start to open. Look at the process of believers. First, your eyes start to open as if you could see again where you are, what you're supposed to be doing. And then you sit up. You give it your attention. You start becoming serious about where you're supposed to be back. Hello, somebody. But the last part of actually getting up, actually doing the things of God, that last part, you don't do alone. And because you were serving so many people, come on now, 
because you were mindful of the kingdom of God in so many ways, because you were constantly trying to serve. When you are down bad, someone will be there in the kingdom to give you a helping hand and to lift you, to help you get on up. Come on, somebody. You're not the type that's going to have to get up by yourself. And any believer under the sound of my voice in this house, you don't ever have to worry about wanting to get up but not having the strength to get up because somebody will always be there to help you up. Like I believe, but help my unbelief. I can see it. I can feel it. But I just don't have it in me. It's all right. It's all right. I got you. Get on up. I got you. I got you. And you don't recognize that that hand extension does more than you could ever know to your faith. Don't have to get back up. Just give me your hand. This part right here. You could feel it. You can sense that change needs to happen, but you're not really 100% certain. And then somebody believes also and they extended. They start giving a part of themselves. Y'all don't want to help me. They start extending a part. Well, why don't you come by the house? Well, well, why don't you come over and do this? Well, well, why don't you help me with that? And well, come on, why won't you just help? Well, why can't we? Well, why don't we? Well, why don't you? Well, is it okay if? Well, how about we? This then confirms that you should be able to do this again. And those weak legs start getting strong. And before you know it, you up and walking around and doing what you've always done in the kingdom. Second reason why, you gotta get up. Hello? We'll get to the latter two tomorrow, I mean next week. <laughs> you got two, amen? So if you're stuck today, Battling between whether you should get up or not, you've got two reasons to get up. If you should ever fall down between now and next Sunday, you got two reasons to get yourself back up. <laughs> Let me put it, you have two reasons to desire to get up. You just have to desire, it's standing all over the house. You have to desire to get up. Here are two reasons, right? People in your life, are all watching that they might turn to the Lord. Hello? In other cases, because your work is not done and there's someone now here to help you like you tried to help so many people before you got down bad. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you glory and honor. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. The altar is open. If you're coming to the Lord for prayer, only you know what's on your heart. Maybe you miscalculated Satan's kingdom. Maybe you have to repent about parts of your heart that manipulated. Parts of us that reject the lessons we need to know real love. We don't want to learn it. We don't feel like it. It's too hard. Parts of us that want to settle in some things. Maybe this is just who I am. Maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'll always be like this. And today we recognize it and we repent of the heart and the thoughts. We turn towards the Father and we begin to ask the Spirit of God 
to fill us with a desire to get up. Come on, who is that in the house? Come on and tell the Lord, I've got to get up because, and use one of the two reasons that you learned today. I've got, a, I've got a desire to get up, and you're the only way I can do it, but I've got to want it. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I want to get up. I want to get up. I want to get up. I've got to get up. I've got to get up. I've got to get up. If you've called me, I can't sit here, and I know you've called me. I know you've called me to have abundant life, to actually enjoy being a believer. Forgive me for what I've made it. Come on in the name of Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me for the life that I've been living that may not have been the most excellent of testimonies. And I want to jump up and get up and take up my bed and show you to be the great God that you are. Forgive me. Forgive me for my mully grubs. Forgive me for my melancholy. Forgive me for my down bad spirit. And create a right spirit in, with, in me. Renew it, God. Wake it up. Restore my joy of salvation in the name of Jesus. Cause me to learn to love you. You know I've been real bad at this. I need to learn to love you better. I need to learn to love you faithfully. I need to learn to love you. I need to learn to love you. I give you glory and honor, God. 